Welcome to the Frontline Industry Podcast. Every week, we talk with top senior executives to get their advice on positively impacting frontline employees, companies, and customers. On today's episode, Beautiful Leadership Principles, I talked to Corey Jensen, COO of Mariana Beauty, a leading developer and manufacturer of hair and beauty products for cosmetology schools, salons, retail, and brand owners. Corey discusses the value of getting frontline employees focused on winning and problem solving every day, reversing his 400% turnover, and the criticality of having great daily huddles with your frontline teams. Don't go anywhere. The Frontline Industry Podcast starts now. Welcome to the Frontline Industry Podcast. My name is Joel Anishuk, and I'm joined with a very fun guest today. Very excited. I, I call him a, a friend. I call him a great leader. And he's someone who has spearheaded one of the most impressive, I would say, culture and digital transformations I've seen. He is Corey Jensen. And Corey is the COO of Mariana Industries out of Omaha, Nebraska. It's a two-location, two-manufacturing site, turnkey manufacturer and formulator, and has been around for, I would say, 50 years now, Corey? It's really good to see you, and thanks for, for joining us today. Yeah. Good to see you again. It's been a while. It's been too long. I, we, we, we need to go and grab another steak dinner uh, sometime very soon. Absolutely. I know where we can find one. Yeah, there's, there's some good beef out there in, in Omaha. Um, <clears throat> Very well, you know, before we get too far, just tell us about Mariana Beauty. Not sure if anyone listening has uh, come across them, if they're not from Omaha or if they're not in the industry. So what, what is it that you yep. do? So Mariana Beauty is a custom formulator of beauty products. So think shampoos, conditioners, men's styling. We serve kind of prestige industry, mass, and then direct to retailer and direct to consumer as well. So we're a 53-year-old company. We were privately owned for the first 43 years of it and have been um, PE back for the last 10 years. You guys basically take up uh, a large section of my my bathroom shelf with beard oils and hair gels and all sort of manly balms. uh, We want to take it all. So, yep. (laughs) I had to start with this question and it might be mm-hmm. a curveball here, but, and I hope you don't mind me asking how no. Corey does a former assistant manager at Blockbuster video. Mm-hmm. I was a store manager too. Don't show It's only that short, but. Well, I have to, you have to start farther back though, right? I yeah, mean, you do start farther back. Yeah. I mean, we could go all the way back, but how, yeah. start, how does the manager or assistant manager or assistant manager to the regional director of a, a blockbuster video, go on to be the COO of a multi-site, rapidly growing, nationally recognized manufacturer in the beauty industry. Walk us through that career yeah. path. Great question. So worked at Blockbuster, was fortunate enough to hear a enterprise level VP at Blockbuster tell us that they really weren't worried about Netflix and that that wasn't their competition. Uh, that, that was kind of the writing on the wall that probably needed to find a new opportunity. Left Blockbuster was an assistant store manager at Walgreens and just wasn't a good fit for me. Um, had a young kid. My wife says, hey, here's this job posting. Uh, they, they need a help desk coordinator at this company called Mariana. And I've got a friend who works there. I'm like, okay, go to the interview. She's like, you know how to do this, you know how to do this, you know how to do this. I'm like, yeah, I can do all of that. Not a clue what she was talking about. But I was I was really good at Googling stuff. And I technology has always come pretty easy to me. So I 
ended up getting hired there and started as the help desk coordinator working on um, getting everybody's systems set up, making sure printers worked, um, connecting people to the network. And then my first day there, they're like, hey, we have these huge stacks of paper that print out every day. That's everything we need to order. You got to go through and rip apart them by buyer and then deliver them to the buyers. And I was like, that seems really inefficient, but okay, cool. We'll do it. I've been in nine, 10 different roles at Mariana since then. You asked the how, a big part of the how was having great mentors. I've had an opportunity to work with a lot of different, really good leaders. First one I got a chance to work with was Mitch Volkers, our director of IT. He's been a great mentor for me my entire time there. Worked in IT and then I went to sales, started working with some of our largest national accounts and really started utilizing technology and the things I'd learned from kind of growing up in the IT world. From there, went to our planning uh, department and kind of with the help of the IT team, rebuilt our whole planning system from the ground up, which was fun. Uh, from planning, went to kind of operations management, walked in and said, our plant manager's gone. We need somebody to do it. And you're the guy. And I'm like, never done that before, but okay. Back to kind of a VP of strategy, helping run our supply chain, really. And then that was the first time I got into introducing some new technology into the infrastructure with a technology called Click went and ran our supply chain for about a year and a half and then went back to the operations side after that running the full operations and then about 18 months ago they came and said hey we want you to run supply chain as well we need a coo we've been looking for one for a while and really don't think there's anybody out there that's going to do it better than you so congrats and that's how a guy that had kind of a rough start with college and do my best the first time through is now a COO and very fortunate. A lot of it comes back to having people in front of me that were giving me great career advice and willing to spend time on developing me. So in, in summary, it sounds like there's two things that you would attribute to kind of the, the career trajectory and, and the path you've been on. And, and it's been good mentors, but also I, I'm hearing behind the scenes kind of the, the mentality of just say yes. Oh, Absolutely. So I've had, like I said, eight to 10 different positions, and I've never once applied for a position or in promotion at Mariana. Multiple times I've had a CEO, a enterprise level VP walk in and say, congrats, here's what you're doing next. And you, you just say, cool, tell me what you need fixed and I'll go fix it or tell me what's the problem we need to solve and we figure out how to solve it. It's been a fun career path, but it's all a it's been a lot about the people and yeah, the absolute willingness to just say, I'll figure it out. Is that something that you would attribute as a, an important attribute of any frontline leader or manager or, or supervisor in your organization? Or like, how would you encapsulate what you have found to be kind of like the, the resounding common thread behind the great leaders across, in, in Miriana or anywhere else? Yeah. I'm, I mean, I think you got to have an attitude of we'll figure it out. It's easy to look at a problem and say, we can't solve it, or here's all the reasons why we can't do it. I really challenge my leadership team to figure out the reasons why we can. And if there is obstacles, let's identify them. Let's figure out how do we eliminate them, not just say no. Like, let's let's find a reason why, not a reason why not. How has that mentality of we'll figure it out and not figure out the reasons why it won't work, but the reasons why it will work or can work, and then remove those obstacles, how do you translate that down into a shop floor environment where people are perhaps paid at a, at a lower level 
they may not have in you know in in corporate logic the skill set assigned to being able to do those sort of activities. How how do you manage that? I think it's a really great question, and I think it's one of the big things with what's happening in the labor market now is how do you how do you get employees to do more than just show up? For Marianne, it's been a lot about engaging them, explaining to them. What are the important things that matter? Let's talk about safety. Let's talk about quality. Let's talk about productivity. Let's focus on how do I have a great day today and not necessarily worry about tomorrow, the next day, the day after. Let's let's break it down into very bite-sized, winnable increments and then helping them set a goal that makes sense and then going back and figuring out how do they accomplish it. But almost turning the question around instead of saying, hey, here's the goal, you go do this, turning around and saying, what do you think we can accomplish today? Okay, well, what's going to prevent you from accomplishing that? What is that goal? So, in, you know, in the world that I'm from, you know, we call it the obsession, right? It's yeah. the thing that the company is trying to do. But sometimes that that, mm-hmm. that obsession doesn't resonate with a frontline employee. You know, you hear yeah. companies saying, oh, our goal is to improve EBITDA by XYZ. And you're like, I don't that people think on the floor care about. Yeah, they don't care about that. So. How do you translate that obsession or that goal that you have, Corey, or Mariana has, or the PE firm yep. has into a thing that the frontline employees in Omaha, Nebraska care about? You have to kind of spin it around and ask ask yourself what's in it for them. Um, it's, mm-hmm. it's the thing I talk with our group a lot about is you always have to explain the why. And you have to make it into something that they care about and is tangible. So one of the things that we spend a lot of time talking about is how do we accomplish the schedule for the week? without having to be here on Fridays outside of the playing group? Or how do we how do we give people the balance that they want in their lives and give them the ability to control whether they can get that or not? So we'll, we'll tell them, here's what's got to be accomplished for the week. You don't want to work Friday? Let's get it done Monday through Thursday. Doesn't mean we don't ever work Fridays. Doesn't mean we don't sometimes plan for them. But it allows people a chance to know kind of day by day, week by week, what is, what can they do? And if they do that, we'll be successful rather than having somebody try and worry about, well, how much money is the company making? Let's let, let's let people control the things that they can control and drive the results from that. And with our maintenance team, it's how do you get a changeover done effectively? It's our operations team. It's how many units do we run today? How do we do it safely? How do we produce quality units and not produce incremental scrap or extra um, rework? How do we not touch stuff twice? How do we do it with the right number of people explaining to them, Hey, if, if we costed this with five and you're running it with seven, like that's a bad thing. And ultimately that's going to come back to affect the amount of merit we can give the next year. I'm a big proponent and you'll hear Mike Kate, our CEO talk about this a lot of let's not worry about wage rate. Let's worry about wage spend. I can pay two people, 10 bucks an hour. I can pay one person 20 and it's the same thing. Well, if we can figure out a way to do it more efficiently and to do it better, let's reward them for finding out ways to do that, not punish them. It leads to a really good question, I think, uh, on the back of that, which is you know, Omaha, Nebraska has had extremely low, <laughs> extremely low numbers of people who are actually looking for jobs. Yep. Uh, and people end up trading back and forth in industrial complexes inevitably forever. You guys, when I think we met years ago, had about a 400% turnover, which is insane. I mean, that's incredibly difficult to manage. And you essentially went down to about zero in a short amount of time. Is that accurate? We went to a really controllable number. I don't think we ever got to zero, but we went to a place where I don't feel like we had 
a ton of, I wasn't losing people I didn't want to lose. And I would say the weird thing is coming out of COVID, we're seeing numbers that are climbing rather quickly again. Omaha is, as you mentioned, incredibly difficult. It's one of the lowest unemployment places in the country. There's some highly, highly seasonal businesses right now that are affecting us um, as we record this in early December. I'm sure a lot of your listeners will have heard of Omaha Steaks, and they essentially quadruple their workforce overnight in December. The great thing is when we really went on the beginning of this journey four years ago, most of my line leads, most of my operators, and most of my maintenance staff are the same as they were back then. So we now have a very core group of people that understand what we want every day, understand how to drive our business. Now, you you wrote something to me. I'm going to read it. I think it ties into what you just said there about culture. You say, when you get everyone on the floor, that would be the shop floor in the manufacturing space, pulling in the same direction and focusing on how do we win today, you create a culture for success and problem solving. And I know from your background now over the last few years, you're a huge proponent of daily huddles, gathering the the cross-functional, cross-departmental teams on the, on the front lines. Tell me how the huddle process plays into your culture of creating the environment that you know you need to have. Yeah. So this goes back to something we started two years ago and it's really evolved a ton over the course of time. Started with, hey, once a day, we're going to do huddles and we're going to set our goal. We're like, okay, well, this is cool. And we started doing it and it was just by setting a goal, people are so much more likely to achieve it. But what we found was if I set a goal two hours into my shift and I don't follow up until the end of my shift, sometimes you can get really off track in the middle and not realize that you're not going to hit it. So first thing we did was changed and went from one huddle a day to two huddles a day. So do a huddle an hour after shift start. And the first thing we did was we said, okay, what's our goal? How are we going to hit it? And we started just attacking that. And then we came back after lunch and we said, what's our goal? And we started following up twice a day with it. So once an hour in and once right after lunch. And then we actually changed and said, instead of setting a goal for the whole day, I want to set a goal for four hours. What's my goal from now until I go to lunch? So we changed to get it to even a smaller window. How do I, how do I win the next four hours? And then after lunch, we set a new goal and said, from after lunch until I go home, now what's my goal? Started working better, started seeing improvements. People were understanding, hey, if my goal was 4,000 units and I'm an hour into this and I've got four hours to go and I'm not at 1,000 units, like I probably need to think about what's happening, what's causing me to fall short, and do I get a supervisor involved? Do I get maintenance involved? Do I get quality involved? How do I feel like I can drive the success of my team today as a lead? How do I make sure that we're on track for what we want to do today? So we did that. And then we started incorporating some additional topics into our huddles. We added a topic around safety. So every week we have a safety topic. Then we just added a quality topic in. If we had something on their line that had a quality issue, we'll start talking about that in the huddles. And that was all going really well. And then I had one of our assistant production supervisors come and say, hey, I think it'd be really cool if we added an end of shift, real quick, two minute huddle that they just said, did I accomplish my last goal or did I not? So then we added that little feature and all of a sudden people started really like the ones they were missing by just a little bit. I'm here, I'm here, I'm here. Like they started hitting their goals and hitting them and hitting them just by having to go back and report. Did I, or did I not hit my goal? And then we had a coach come in and he's like, <clears throat> this is all really great. But one of the things that I would like to see is you guys 
talk about the people that are helping us accomplish it more. So the most recent thing we added was a celebration prompt. So it's, we wanted to talk about something positive that's happening. Was it, Renuka did a great job of getting the changeover done on the capper in an hour and a half instead of two hours. Or Renuka helped bring Sherry in today because Sherry's car broke down and because of Renuka, we're able to get somebody else in. Was it Don Bell identified that we had um, the torque wheels weren't the right setup for this run and we were going to produce product that was under torque. Like how do we find ways to spend more time focusing on all the positive things that happened? Because anybody that's in manufacturing knows bad things happen all the time and it can really drag you down. So let's focus on what good things happen. Let's create action items to address the bad things, but let's talk about good things that happen and really trying to build that kind of culture of positive reinforcement. And that that's one thing that I think is really improved how people feel working at Mariana is seeing not your boss, not your supervisor, like a peer, somebody that's at a similar level, give you positive recognition to the entire group. This um, is actually recognition within the, within the, the colleagues the, that are, that are, that are meeting. Yes. You're, you're not just showing up and parachuting in. They're giving this to each other. They do them all themselves now. Wow. Like the huddles are ran by our line lead, our maintenance and our QC teams. I can see them on my phone. I can see what's going on. I can understand them. I don't have to go monitor them. I know they happen. I see them happening. I can see the results because of it. But the thing I look at is I always look at like, hey, cool. What's your goal? That's always great to see. Looks like we're good on safety and quality. But then I'm looking for the celebrations. Like who's going above and beyond to do stuff that I need to make sure when I'm on the floor, I'm saying, hey, I heard you did a great job doing blank. That's so um, big, Corey, because, sorry to interrupt, that, that's so big because people crave specific recognition or specific mm -hmm. things. Like I think about my wife and I'll say, I love you. And, and she'll ask me, why do you love me? Yeah. You know, and, and it's an indictment because I need to actually be more specific. <laughs> but she's actually kindly prodding, like, I appreciate that. But, but tell me why. More to me if you gave me specific reasons. Yeah. And, you know, 11 years in, uh, as a man, I have to consistently remind myself, be specific, be specific. But as a leader, that's a really good point, Corey, mm -hmm. that we can walk around our front lines, whether we're in a hotel, whether we're in food service, whether we're in manufacturing, and say we're grateful for our employees and say, hey, good job today, Martha, or Ben, fantastic work yesterday. Got it. What? But without the specific specificity to share, it's not as powerful. Yeah. I spend more of my time now talking about things that are going on that are good, that I'm, you're trying to, instead of poking people with a stick all the time, let's, let's put some positivity out there. Most people don't show up to work and want to do a bad job. Like, I don't think I have any of those anymore. Well, listen, you know, we, I, I, I could wax poetic on all this with you all day long, <laughs> but I don't want to keep you too long today, but I'll brag about you. You've killed it <laughs> in your career in manufacturing you're making a name for yourself and Mariana has, has continued to, to impress. Take yourself out of your life though right now. You get to live a second life all over again. What else would you do? If you weren't manufacturing, what would Corey Jensen be doing right now? Because he never picked it. He never thought this was going to be your path. No, what would was, you be doing? Oh, it'd be so hard to envision my life not doing manufacturing now that I've been in it. Other passions that are really out there for me. Um, I love coaching kids sports. Uh, I have two daughters that play soccer. I love doing that. 
might be hard to pay the bills, but it'd be a, an awful fun life. Yeah. Um, it's weird. I'm a great big nerd. I still love video games. Um, I still love board games. I'd love to be involved in that community because I think that's another community that's really tight knit and is full of people who want to see the community grow and care about each other. I grew up playing Magic the Gathering and World of Warcraft and like it, it might sound super weird, but one of the things I'm still most proud of was um, leading a World of Warcraft guild to an accomplishment that less than 0.1% of people in that game ever accomplished. Um, wow. Some of my best friends and people I still talk to today are from that community. So I don't, I, I can't tell you exactly what I'd want to do, but I'd want to be in something where the community matters. I, I just can't imagine my life without doing manufacturing because I enjoy it so much. Well, it's, it's funny because a lot of times we end up doing things we never expected to be doing. And I think yeah. it all comes down to what we started this whole conversation with is just saying yes. You know, we, we can make as many plans as we want, but we got to start writing them in pencil because a lot of times we've got to erase it and go, oh, I didn't expect that, that twist. Yeah. One of my, one of my best mentors ever told me, sometimes you got to be willing to back the car out of the garage so you can go forward. And at the time he told me, I thought that was the dumbest analogy ever. I'm like, why would I ever want to go backwards? And now I look back and had I not been willing to, as he put it, back the car out of the garage and take a a move that frankly at that point in my career was going from IT, which was hot and trendy, into being a sales account manager. Like you definitely gotta be willing to take some chances and to it, it truly is say yes and figure out how to be, make it better than when you got there. I love that. Well, it leads me to the final question, which is a perfect tie-in. Talking about leaving it better, what's something you believe that if everyone else believed too? would make the world a better place. Wow. Okay. Let me, let me think through this one second. I think I get where we're going here. I think a lot of people believe this, but I, I definitely don't think everybody is. I think the world would be a better place if everybody just gave the other person the benefit of the doubt in what they're doing. I think it's so easy to look at a situation and jump to the conclusion that fits your narrative rather than trying to think about why would somebody have done this in the world that's full of social media. Um, it's always so easy to say after the fact, well, that was a really dumb thing you did. But I always think about what, what was, what was happening in that person's mind at the time and just give people a little bit more grace and the ability to think, how, how would you react in that situation? And I think, I think it, once again, it goes back to manufacturing. There's a lot of times you look back and go, well, why in the world did you ever do that? And then you actually let them explain why they did it. It makes total sense because of what the piece of information, what they knew at the time, they made the best call they could. And I think that's one of the things that makes great leaders is somebody who's willing to make a call and will explain to you why. And then you can help develop them, but you got to be willing to give people a little bit of just the benefit of the doubt. So. I think that's a fantastic answer. Give people the benefit of the doubt. Give them grace. Put yourself in their shoes. Um, that, right. that, that, I mean, that couldn't be better yeah, advice to end on, for sure. I, I, have, I, I have to ask, since you're so passionate about this stuff, Corey, and mm -hmm. if any senior executive out there wanted to pick your brain on digital transformation, culture engagement, leadership yeah. principles, employee engagement, all those things, would you be up for it? And how could they get a hold of you? I, 
Absolutely. I think you learn a lot by just talking about this. Like, I think that's a big part of the reason why we were successful. I'm absolutely more than willing for people to reach out to me. Ultimately, I end up learning more than I end up teaching a lot of times when I'm talking to people because sometimes works. It, it makes you reflect. Yeah. yeah. Um, so yeah, for sure. I The stuff's enjoyable. It's what I do. I'm passionate about it. I'm passionate about building teams and absolutely anybody that wants to talk about anything around how do you improve your team, I'd love to do it. Would you, pre- would you appreciate a LinkedIn message, an email? What's the best way to get Um So you can shoot me a LinkedIn message, just reference through the podcast or something. That's probably the easiest way. I'd love to say email me when my email box gets full in a hurry. I do my best to keep up there. But if you shoot me a message on LinkedIn, I'll definitely get back to you in a day or two. Perfect. Well, thanks, Corey. It's been awesome. a pleasure as always. And uh, <laughs> I think anyone listening right now could take a plethora of leadership principles, of advice on career path or advice on change management uh, from this. And and I hope they find it very valuable. For those who are listening now, thanks for tuning in. And uh, I do hope you took something away that's actionable immediately that you can take back to your organizations and make a difference that, that matters, that your frontline teams will be healthier because of it and that you'll be a better leader as a result as well. Until next time, this has been the Frontline Industry Podcast. My name is Joel, and uh, thanks for tuning in. See you next time. If you liked this content and want more of it, visit FrontlineIndustryPodcast.com. And one more thing, would you please click the follow button and any notification bells on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or whatever platform you're using? Because doing these shows, eh, it's a decent amount of work, and we try to source the absolute best guests out there. So following and hitting those notification bells is a simple way to support what we're doing, and I really appreciate your efforts in doing so. Thank you very much. Thank you very much.